So this is the ending of this retreat. And uh, very impressive to see so many attending it. <clears throat> but what I've been reflecting on over the past week is, is uh, as I've said many times, to encourage you to, to have more confidence, more trust in awareness than people tend to have. We see ourselves in terms of the personality, the critical mind, and uh, and that you'll never, that will always be there to criticize you. Because that's what it's conditioned to do. I discovered that many years ago when I thought, <clears throat> this, this thing inside that's so critical of me, it never says, I, even when I do something well, it never says you've done well. It says you could have done it better. <laughs> what is that? Is that a real living kind of inner demon or... But it's conditioning, it's using the thought process to, to criticize, to emphasize the flaw or the weakness. And that's what we, we do when we, we're perfectionists or idealists and we, we create images of how things should be. And then when things aren't what that, aren't the, can't live up to that standard, then we we become obsessed with the flaw, the weakness, the smudge on the canvas, the crack in the teapot, and we, we, we don't see the rest of it anymore. So this is just a matter, this is nothing, uh, you know, to see as, a, as an obstruction, but to the whole point of the Buddhist teaching is to inquire into reality. So the Four Noble Truths are a skillful means that he left us and to, to inquire, to investigate, to find out what is reality? Just that question itself. What's real? And then, of course, in the Satipatthana, in the Vipassana, Bhumi uh, teachings, it's all investigating the very nature of Sankara to break down, to, to no longer commit ourselves to the delusions that we've been conditioned with. So it is, uh, you know, it's uh, something that, that is quite brilliant in the simplicity of the teaching. And uh, the more you practice it, the more you appreciate it. Like, to this day, I'm incredibly grateful to the Buddha for, you know, because I benefited so much from something that was given the first sermon 2,560 years ago. And yet still... It works. It's still it's still a teaching that is of value to to all of us in our lives, whether we're monks, nuns, lay people, rich or poor.
So this, as I've pointed out, the, the three aspects to each noble truth, that's, that's a paradigm of reflection. It's the statement, what to do, and the result of doing that. And that, that isn't intellectual. It's not, it's not defining or, or rationalizing or explaining Matibata is to understand. We think understanding comes through thinking about it, but understanding in this sense is is not thinking about it or trying to understand it through concepts, through more concepts, more words, but through acknowledging it. Suffering, uh, I have a, uh, suffering has been understood. The third aspect, the the insight into the first two. Now this also, you go back to your daily lives and and questions at ends of retreats are always, how do we meditate when we're not in retreat mode or at a monastery? That's another question that we create. You know, is meditation dependent upon special conditions? <clears throat> Some forms of... Uh, uh, meditation are dependent. We have to seek solitude and and silence and get away from the uh, pressures of family life and social situations and uh, to get uh, tranquility for refinement of conscious experience. Refined sankharas because the ordinary sankharas are like that, they're ordinary, and then a lot of them are very coarse. And because uh, sankharas have quality of being coarse or refined, <clears throat> so we we try to refine the environment, which is, you know, is is recommended uh, and encouraged, but it's not, but. Any environment is still a place of mindfulness and wisdom, whether it's in the most on a mountain top or in a forest or in the city. So, because what is you're, you're conscious wherever you are, whether you're in the middle of London in a traffic jam, at home, uh, at work with people you, the, that you love and have affinities with, the people that don't like you, with, with the boring situations, whatever the conditions might be, there's consciousness, you're always conscious, there's always that. And then too, then you have reactions, uh, emotional reactions to situations to to the conditions that you're experiencing. But Satisampachanya allows us to be aware of that reaction. It isn't that you ever you don't have reactions anymore, but you're no longer deceived by them, by love or hate, by like or dislike, by attraction or aversion. So that knowing, this consciousness is knowing. It's 
wisdom, discerning. And then we can deal with the, with the problems of old age, sickness, death, loss, grief, sorrow, despair, and anguish, the, the, the emotions that human beings experience in their lives. <clears throat> With whatever, you know, whether you, your own sickness, your own problems of fears of death, or loss of relatives or loved ones, changes in the society, predictions of a future that is full of suffering and misery, we hear that, the climate changing, the glaciers are melting, what are the polar bears going to do? It doesn't mean we, we can't be concerned with that, but we don't create suffering, like uh, in, in our relationship to the, 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 the planet that we live on, the people we live with, the society we're living in. So this retreat is, must say, very impressive to see so many attending, and uh, it's been a privilege to share what I've learned over the years as a, as a bhikkhu. And this is what, because my life as a, as a Buddhist monk has been supported by all of you, providing the, the necessities, the four requisites, and this is uh, this is what carries this the teaching of the Lord Buddha from one generation to the next. <clears throat> there must have been many enlightened beings who saw Dhamma awaken to reality, who who never you know who, who nobody knows or remembers. But Buddhism is still a vital force in the world. And uh, it's uh, remembered as, as even, you know, revived. In many cases, it has its peaks, its kind of, of great influence and success, and then it is persecuted and disappears in many parts of the, of the world. But it always, because it is based on reality, not on cultural, particular cultural attitudes of a, of a certain age or a certain time, then it, it relates to all of us in modern daily life in England. It isn't, it isn't asking to, you know, to adopt, uh, adopt a, an exotic belief system uh, from India. It's about suffering, the causes of it, the cessation of it, the realization how to live within the human limitation, the human form, without creating suffering. So even, you know, one still gets old, gets sick and dies. This is just the natural process of, of the human form, of, of these bodies are supposed, supposed to get old. 
That's what they're doing. And the, and then they get sick. They then they then they die. So the, this is nothing to be frightened of because our refuge is in the amatta dhamma, the deathless, rather than in the death-bound conditions of a physical form or an ideal or or uh, just uh, the the changing belief systems that can that can manifest in our minds during our lifetime. So on, this is a round the world tour for me. <laughs> Last year I went around the world in the southern hemisphere and this year the northern hemisphere. And uh, I do like to travel, so it's, it's, it's not like any great sacrifice. <laughs> but the, uh, I like airports, and <laughs> <laughs> then you always go where you're invited. So you, you know, you go to, you flew from Bangkok to Rome, and. There was Ajahn Chandrapalo, Ajahn Preacha, and many people I know waiting at the airport and uh, <coughs> greeting us. So it's always, you know, this sense of coming and being greeted, and then there's the, the, the experience of leaving and separating. I used to make a practice of this when I lived here in Amravati, because I was always going places, leaving and coming back. So just taking something like meeting is like this. Meeting those you like and that like you is like this. So you can be aware it's a pleasant feeling is like this. So that's being mindful, not being indulgent. Just being aware of the conditions for happiness, for happy feeling or are present and it feels like this. That's satipanya. And then the departure. Leaving uh, is is like this, you know. So there's always a sense of sadness that's separating from the loved. And that's just the way things are. That's not like emotional dependency or, I mean, however, it's what psychological language you might like to use to describe it. But this is just the way things are, and the knowing, <clears throat> knowing is, is sati, uh, sampachanya, panya, all sapeta sankaranita, all conditions are impermanent. And then there's no, when you realize, when you begin to really, when you really let go and there's no self, the reality of anatta, it's a relief. It's a, such a relief not to be, not have to be anybody. Not have to see myself always in terms of right and wrong, good or bad, or somebody senior or junior, important or unimportant, or loved or not liked. Because the personality is, is based on that kind of conditioning. So no self is is a is a you know is not something like you you become a zombie or kind of totally indifferent 
So you arrive and Ajahn Amaro meets me at Gatwick and I, I don't feel anything. <laughs> It's not like that. <laughs> I mean, when you try to figure out what, what a mindful uh, person is like, it's not that they're, they're just a blank, kind of bland nothingness. That's what it might sound like in terms of letting go of love and hate and like and dislike and the sense of a self. But the the whole the reality of now at this very moment is consciousness, and it's not personal. It's unitive. And then the the, the sankaras are always when we cling to sankaras, then we always create this sense of separation of self. And just to know this, this, this simple reality. And so wherever you go, whether, uh, whatever you have, situations you return to in your family, in your social life, society, they are as they are, you know. So whatever you're feeling, and whatever uh, sankara arises, trust just, it is what it is. So. It, it, whether it's pleasant or unpleasant, it doesn't make any difference. Because the knowing of sankhara is your refuge. Being the wisdom, being wisdom itself, being consciousness, without claiming it, without grasping the idea of it. <clears throat> I remember years ago, and as a Samanera, I had this insight. And uh, I couldn't figure out, I was, I was stumped by, who, who, what is it that knows? You know, because there's some, there's some kind of subjective reality that's going on that, that, can, that can observe Sankara, that must be me. And uh, so that, you know, trying to figure that one out, you go around into, I had this, this kind of brief, very brief flash of reality, of truth hit me, in which I realized it was here and now. And, but in order to be here and I had to let go of trying to figure out what, who the subject is. <laughs> But I was so involved in, in figuring it out that I, I had the flash and the insight, but it was just very brief. <clears throat> but it was the beginning to, to, you know, the following year I met uh, Lung Po Cha in Uborn. And of course, his, his, as I've mentioned before, the, the Puto, the, the Puto mantra kind of helped me to to realize that this is this is what Buddha really means. 
awakened attention. If you claim to be Buddha, that's Sakya Ditti. Such as claiming you're not the Buddha is Sakya Ditti. <laughs> so whatever you do, you can't win on that level. <laughs> but being that awakened attention, being mindful, this is this is not asking too much of any of us. It's and it's so it, it's not a command or uh, a demand of any sort, but an encouragement to to trust, to be more patient with yourself rather than being impatient. If you if you have a, a very active mind or you're full of doubts or uh, negative feelings. These are not obstructions to the path. It's really recognizing, opening. They are what they are. The path, the obstruction to, to the path is of each hour, ignorance of Dhamma. So of each hour, you know, as soon as we operate from the self-view, from the, the me and mine, then it's a vicha. <clears throat> so in Paticca Samupada, when you operate from a vicha bhajya sankara, the beginning one, you start with I'm, I must meditate. Already you're starting from ignorance. That affects the body, the mind, the sankharas, and consciousness, nama rupa salayatana pasa vedana, Andu soka parite watuka tomana supayasa. So ignorance is the cause. Avijja is the is the cause. So this is why this this uh, encouragement to to not trust that don't believe what what your ego tells you you are or where you are or what you should be or shouldn't be. Sometimes it's good, you know, I should be, <clears throat> keep the rules, I should be patient, I should be compassionate. These are all true. But they are sankharas. And and then in the reality of life, sometimes, you know, one may not be feeling loving kindness or compassion or or being as good as we should be. And we create, you know, we grasp that, we create a sense of I'm, I'm not very good, or I'm no good. But the knowing of both those extremes, knowing sankara sankara, because it's sape sankara nicha, all, all conditions that includes everything. And then the question can uh, is consciousness sankara? How can one sankara know another? What is it that knows sankara? Like can my right hand know my left hand and bring them up? 
My right hand can't really be aware of my left hand, but consciousness can include both in the same moment. There's consciousness, awareness, right hand, left hand, at the same moment, here and now. But if I'm asking my right hand to be conscious of my left hand, I can't do that. <clears throat> so that's where the, in the five khandhas, vinyana is a sankara because it's, it's about sensory conscious experience, going out through senses, seeking objects through sight, sound, smell, taste, touch, thought. <clears throat> that is impermanent. But consciousness itself, the jitta, amatadhamma, the reality, the isn't isn't a sankara. So it's through trusting this awareness. That's that's the gate that accesses that gives us this perspective. Because you can't get any perspective of, about sankara. You can, you can agree that all conditions are impermanent on an intellectual level because it's a reasonable thing to say and, and we, we can agree with the Buddha's teaching through the thinking process. But the Buddha was encouraged, and Lungpo Chara was always emphasizing Bhattibhata. When I was learning Thai, you know, this was, this, you're sitting listening to to Lumpur Cha giving Dhamma Desanas, and you hear the word Batibata, Batibat. In Thai, they just call it Batibat. And, and uh, he's saying this Wat Bapong, Wat Nong Bapong is a Wat Batibat, is a place for practice. And you hear this word Batibat, it kind of sticks in you, you know. It's one of the first words I learned. And he was emphasizing the practice because in Thailand, sometimes because it's so so part of a tradition, the practice is ignored. And Lung Po Cha was very much one who was trying to bring attention, educate, encourage the Thai people to realize it's not just custom ceremonies and and just reading or listening to monks or uh, giving Dharma talks, but you know it, it's available to all of us. The practice isn't asking you to. You don't have to go to Walmart and buy special equipment. <laughs> it's completely free <laughs> all the time. So at this point. To express my gratitude to all the people, to Ajahn Amaro and the Sangha here at Amravati that have uh, prepared this event so well, and to the, the lay people, the committees, all the people that have endeavored to make this this week possible, uh, are very grateful, very appreciative. Andamayang Tamagata Sadukarang Dadamase Sadhu.
Sadhu, Sadhu, Anumodami.